On this week's episode, Lee Griffin becomes very morbid. Well, that's a lot of the death of general aviation is airplanes are so expensive to own, people don't own them. And then right. you have those hurt, that one extra hurdle. And maybe for some people, it's more than just that. It's I have to drive an hour. Yeah. You know, to, to maybe they own the airplane, but it's an hour drive. Maybe they don't yeah. own the airplane and it's still an hour drive. So they, they have multiple hurdles to, to, to jump just to get to that same, that same spot that you're at by default. So it makes it very easy to talk yourself out of flying. Right. Like, all I got to do is walk to the hangar, but it's, it's like half the time. It's like, and that's hard enough, that, right? Yeah. There's something else I should do. Scott Boris takes an unnecessary tone towards the beloved listeners. But you got to remember, Scott, there's people listening who don't even know what IA is. Like, we haven't explained that this particular episode. That's basically... Well, then they should have listened to our earlier episodes, shouldn't they? Okay, well, let's assume (laughs) they haven't. Uh, IA is Inspection Authorization. And I try to reinforce the Greek mythology track that we have been going on to enforce the nicknames of people who we probably shouldn't name drop. Is Zeus. Is Zeus. Is he he an IA? I don't think he is. Is he? He's got all that maintenance stuff, too? No. who? I don't even know. The the DE is Zeus. We established last episode. Well, he would bring his... I remember when I worked there. No, 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 no. no. He would bring his plane in for... for He didn't do it himself. Right. No, 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 you're right. You're right. We did it. I forgot who Zeus was. See, Scott, even Zeus does not have even an AMP, let alone an IA. No, I just... Most of the IAs that I know personally also fly. Welcome to the Far Aim Podcast. Uh, this week we are going to just do some uh, some side talk here, different from the book. Uh, just purchasing an aircraft to basically learn how to fly in, or more than that, just purchasing an aircraft. I know Scott has been in the market semi seriously for a while to buy an airplane. Uh, that he would actually use because he does buy airplanes semi regularly to destroy, sell the parts, and, yes. and sell off the parts on the internet to the highest bidder. Um, but he I've is actually bought. For... I've bought six airplanes now, but I've only actually flown one of them. So. Yes, only one of them is flyable. So you're looking for another one that's flyable that you actually would not part out, correct? Uh, four seater to upgrade the unless, unless it needed something more than minor maintenance, and then it would just be parted out. Yeah, the yeah. moment the moment it betrays you. Yeah, as soon as it needs anything more than minor maintenance, it's it's gone. It's dead. So here's the thing: is Scott and I had we learned how to fly in our own aircraft, which. There's just there's something to be said about learning to fly in your own aircraft. Like I couldn't imagine learning to fly in a rental because I, and I think that's just because I've I learned in my own aircraft. I go to rentals yeah. now and it just it just irks me. Like I didn't realize that until I sold my 150. And I'm like, oh, I'll just rent. It's not that big a deal. And then I, like I don't want to fly like I used to fly because it's a rental. Right. It costs more per hour to, yeah. to do. You're not going to go fly airplane. for fun. Yeah, I'm paying more money per hour for a far less enjoyable airplane to fly in. Yeah. 
What with, What do you think makes it less enjoyable, though? I mean, the fact that you don't own it? That, like, you don't have that pride and ownership? You know, the pride so. and ownership, it's, you know... Scott, you, know, you don't have any pride and ownership anyway, Scott, so... <laughs> I do, too. <laughs> I take no, you good don't. care of my plane, and by me, I mean somebody else takes good care of my plane. Um... The rental airplanes just aren't as nice as the plane I had for one. And B, it's like, you got to like, you got to designate a time slot that you're going to be using it, um, which is really annoying. I didn't realize that until after I sold my plane, how annoying it is to like pre-plan in advance, get the time slot you want. It'd be horrible. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I would never fly. It's so easy. Yeah, exactly. When I decide to go flying, it's at like the last like 15 minutes, like 15 minutes before my flight. I probably had, there's a good chance that I had no plans on flying. Well, you're in a unique situation. You have a hangar well, out back. I know, but like my life, like I work so much and I don't have time to do a lot of things. Like, so I can't even imagine like, it's like, oh, I, I'm finally done with working for the day and it happens to be nice out and I don't have anything else that I need to do. Let me call the FBO up and see if they have a time slot for the yeah, plane. Yeah, like. Or- like, then go drive somewhere else. Like for me, it's like okay, I don't have anything work to do. I, I'm done with my work for the day. I don't have anything planned with the family. I don't have anything that I have to do around the house. Like I have to clear those three obstacles first. Like if I had to clear a fourth one with like that was like, oh, I'll see if the plane's available and then I'll drive to the airport. This is not going to happen. And that's where I'm at. That's why I don't hardly fly anymore. Yeah. Well, and that's a lot of the death of general aviation is airplanes are so expensive to own. People don't own them. And then right. you have those hurt that one extra hurdle. And maybe for some people, it's more than just that. It's I have to drive an hour. Yeah. You know, to to maybe they own the airplane, but it's an hour drive. Maybe they don't yeah. own the airplane. And it's still an hour drive, so they they have multiple hurdles to 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 jump just to get to that same that same spot that you're at by default. It so makes it very easy to talk yourself out of flying. Right. Like all I gotta do is walk to the hangar, but it's, it's like half the time. It's like, and that's hard enough, that, right? Yeah, there's something else I should do. So I just right, right, and I, that that's the one thing. So like. You know, going through, you know, several students buying airplanes and, and graduating up through stuff. You think about like I had a student who wanted a Cessna 180, which is a high performance tailwheel airplane. And they're a fairly, fairly fair weather pilot. And I expect that to probably only get get, you know, more more conservative with it being a more more of a handful. And it's already so easy to talk yourself out of going flying. So you do that once, you do it twice before you know it. it's been six months since you've flown. Now you're not going to go flying without an instructor. Right. Yeah. You, know, you just got like this downward spiral. Yeah. You know, you're not comfortable in the airplane. You haven't flown for six months. You're just, it's a perfect day. It's calm wind, zero yeah. wind, but you're still not smooth comfortable as glass out. You haven't flown. And you're not comfortable in the airplane. Yeah. Well, that's, I run into that down here. Um, Cause I like, it's so long. Like I'll go take a checkout flight for insurance reasons. Because I think every 90 days with the place I rent from down here, you, you got to go up with one of their instructors to like recheck you out. Yeah. And I'll go do that. And then I'll have intention of like going to do something and then life will happen. And then it's been 90 days. And then so I just basically like every 
Every ninety days, every, you get a check ride. <laughs> yeah, every three to every three to five months, I feel like I just go take a check insurance check ride with an instructor. It's like then you never I you never even bother to rent one in between. No, I can't remember the last time I soloed a plane. Yeah, it's been years. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy to think about. Yeah, because has it really been years? When did you leave the banner towing place? Was that two years ago? Two. Yeah, it was over two years ago now. God, time flies so fast. That's I know. Insane. Yeah, that feels like you were just there not that long ago. You gotta remember, I took nine months kind of just off. I learned how to scuba dive. Got a got a seaplane rating. Kinda yeah, like that's played, true. Played the played the old retiree Florida life for like nine months, and then yeah, yeah the comp- <laughs> the job I'm with now, I've been with them for almost two years after wow. that like nine God. month break. But yeah, it's been almost three years I think since I left that the so stop flying the, banner was that the last time you flew solo solo no i don't think so I, I i've rented i've gotten current on planes and rented them and soloed them probably 18 months to two years ago was yeah. probably the last time yeah. that's still a long time ago i probably need a flight review i gotta look at my logbook because right now i'm going on i think six to nine months since i've flown period shit i might need a flight review I don't even remember which one of you did my last flight review. Yeah, Lee I gotta rem- I got I gotta renew my CFI. I think Lee did my last that. one. Lee didn't you do my last flight review? I'm not sure. I know I know Rob and I've been bouncing back and forth on them, so I'm not sure where we're at in yeah. the rotation here. Yeah. I haven't done a flight review for you in years and years. Oh really? It's my- probably it's probably been six years since I've done a flight review for you, Scott. I don't think it's been that long. No, I, I don't think so either. I, I would check so. my. Maybe. I bet if I go in my logbook, it might have been before I even moved to Florida, and it's I've lived in Florida for a while. No, I've done. I don't think so we've done. We've knocked out requirements for your commercial. Yeah, maybe maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Maybe we've done some of those, but I don't yeah. think I've done a flight well, review. You, for you, you might be right. I don't, I don't know. So you're a flight instructor flying with a student. Why didn't you count that as a flight review? Um, should have. Um, not really a priority. Um, I mean, we could have, but like oh, last time, I mean, I was, last time I, I flew was, with Scott was two summers ago, and we were knocked out the the dual cross country day. How, was that two summers? The commercial. Ago? I thought that was last yep. summer. That was no, two summers ago. That was two summers ago. Yeah. So we didn't do any flying last summer. Nope. We were going to, and then it was too windy. Are you sure that wasn't last summer we did that? It was two. It was too windy for me, even let alone you. Oh, that's pretty serious, then. <laughs> so anyway, buying an airplane—you were looking at tripacers. That's kind of the what you've got your yeah, mindset. You, well, on. If, honestly, if you if you want to take, if you got a family or you want to take two or three passengers, so if you want to take four people, you and three other people. For the price, you can't beat a tripacer, from what I've seen. And that's what Lee concluded on a previous episode. You asked him what yeah. was the best place. What was the best for place? I mean, the, the useful for thirty thousand or less, right? Yeah, the useful load you get out of a tripacer for the dollar that you spend on one is. I can't find anything that else that even comes close to it. Is that, so, Lee? Is that something you could learn to fly in? Yeah, I mean they have great 
They have. I've never flown a bona fide tri pacer. I've flown the PA twenty two. Uh, 108, which is a Colt, which is obviously a still a PA22 variant. That's doesn't a, have that's the two seat version of it, right? Two seat version, yeah. yeah. Doesn't have the horsepower. Doesn't have the rear seat. Doesn't have flaps. Um, has a much lower gross weight, things like that. But very docile. I've heard nothing but good things. I I wouldn't mind. You know, my grandma that was like her favorite airplane. She's got a tri pacer on her tombstone. Um, the Colt. The yeah. Colt does not have flaps? No. Nope. Um, I'd be I mean, I'd be all about a Colt. I mean, it's basically a, a 150. Yeah. You know, it's a tube and fabric 150, you know. The Same, only thing I don't speed, like everything. The only thing I don't like about the Pacers and Colts is the fabric. I tend to like that. I don't have a problem but... with the fabric itself. It's just when you buy a used airplane. Oh, yeah. You're going off what the person who's selling it to you is telling you. So when was the, you know, how good is the fabric? Yeah. How many, like you, how many years? It, yeah. Right. How many years are you going to get out of that fabric? Well, I mean, it depends on what's on it. And of course, that just is another question you have to ask and have to trust the answer they give you. Right. But, like, I, I mean, I'm not against fabric at all. It's just you're relying on what the seller is telling you basically well and and so you know if it's a metal there's only really i've been told not part, to get a metal one though a metalized no yeah no i'm just saying a general they're heavier uh, well yeah heavier yeah i would i i wouldn't i wouldn't even consider it um but the um the fabric unlike the aluminum it's it, it I, 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 I don't know if I really want to say this, but this is the thing coming to mind is what you see is kind of what you get. And that's not necessarily the case. You don't no. know what you're seeing or something with right. It might, it might look good, but you might need to put fabric on it in two years, you know? Yeah. It's it might better. look good. And if you're buying something that is a distance away, like we were talking about um, before we started, Right. If you're going to do a pre-buy and you're going through the proper steps of buying an airplane, it's not like buying a car. You you don't. There's no Carfax. Yes, you'd like to trust everybody's word, but it's not that official. These airplanes are old. They have a long history. A lot of people have touched them and modified them and wrecked them and rebuilt them and and whatever. So there's a lot of hands. It's a, that have that have uh, uh, been on it, and you got to trust everybody down the line, and somebody can do a great fabric job and it can go win awards. And then somebody can do a crappy, terrible job, you know, in their garage restoring components and then right. take them out to the hangar, bolt them back on and it not even be in the same galaxy of, you know, quality. That's not the case with aluminum. Yeah, you may have crappy paint, not crappy paint. You might have a little bit of corrosion and not, but that's not, for the most part, not going to be a huge difference. Yeah, corrosion is bad, yes. And can it be a structural con, con, you know, concept that, that you need to worry about? 100%. But, I mean, yeah. you have Especially 50% if you of the like, fabric-covered airplanes out there you don't want. It's living like this. Near salt water, you got to worry about the uh, corrosion a lot more. But it needs to be bad for it right. to really. Well, yeah. But 
like I look at like fabric and paint on a fabric airplane is like similar to like an overhaul. Like that's your cost. Like the cost of doing that is similar to an overhaul, isn't it? I mean, you're going to be. Yeah. You're going to be like an engine overhaul. Yeah. What are you talking doing, about? Doing fabric and paint on a uh, pipe pacer would be similar cost to doing an, an engine overhaul. Wouldn't it? Oh yeah. Yeah. You're probably, yeah, you're probably in the 18 so, to 20. Right. So when you look at, uh, a fabric airplane, you 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 got to think that you might have two overhaul costs in there. You know, you could have an engine overhaul, and you could have a fabric and paint overhaul. Yeah, and on these airplanes, the market does not really. If you're if you're making it what you want it to be, and it's a really good um, shell or foundation to work with, low time and whatever, no damage history, whatever you do, you but the market does not really support a $50,000 tri-pacer and no. you can get there. Yeah. Yeah. Although the, like you talked about the bang for the buck, you just kind of shot that, Well, yeah, you know, shot that well, right down. Look, for example, there was one, uh, in Pennsylvania, not too far from here. Um, I think it was 16,000 or 16, five, something like that. And, uh, low time, Engine time was only like 500 hours or something like that. Uh, it had uh, ADSB out. It was uh, the instruments were good. You know, it wasn't nothing fancy, but nothing more than you would need. You know, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't the original. You know, it had updates, and uh, I w- I would have bought it. I was gonna buy it, and I talked to the guy i was on the phone with him and he showed me around the plane he had his phone he took a video of it and i just i asked him about the fabric and I, he said well he said it was done it wasn't done that long ago i think he said it was done like 2005 you know uh-huh. so that's not that's not that old that's no. getting there it's getting there but it's not that bad he said it's been hangered and he said well he said the IA said it needs some TLC. I said, well, what does he mean by TLC? You know, well, I don't know. He said, he told me it needed TLC last time that it was in for annual. And I'm just thinking like, I don't want to buy a plane that needs fabric. I don't, I don't have time for that. I don't know how to do it. I don't want to pay somebody to do it. If I buy a plane, I want a plane that's going to fly, you know? So I, I call back, to Jim, my, my my mechanic and kind of my partner, you know, because I'm on the plane, but he does all the work. He flies it when he wants to. And I said, "Do you think you know? Should we get a hold of his IA and see what he means by TLC? You know, because I'd rather talk to the guy that did the inspection on it and see what exactly. Because the guy was not telling me what he meant by TLC. He just said it needs yeah. TLC. Yeah, you know, and I said." We need to. I said I, before I agree to buy this plane and go to Pennsylvania and get it. I want to know what the IA meant by TLC, you know. Yeah. Which I feel like that's understandable. Like, who wouldn't want to know? It, you know, of course. When Did it's you such have, a significant expense on right, it's the same cost of what you're paying for the airplane. Yeah, I I want to hear the the guy who did the inspection. Like, what did he mean by TLC when he told? the guy that it needs TLC. Does it, 
to me, I don't, I don't know what that means. You know, did you get a, did you get a hold of the guy who was the IA? Tried to call him. He didn't answer. And within 15 minutes, the other guy called back. The, the owner called back and said he sold it. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> Sounds like I the mean, Florida real estate market. Yeah. I mean, I probably, probably should have bought it. It was cheap for that, for the time on the engine and what it had in it. I mean, it was. Well, so, how, when was the overhaul done on the engine? Because it's a two part thing for people. Well, yeah, that's true. That's true. If it was done a long time ago, you got to take that in consideration because if it has 600 hours on the engine or 500 hours in the engine or whatever it had, but the the overhaul was done in 1989, then you're not looking so good. (laughs) Right. Yeah. If it was done five years ago, then you're looking great. But. Yeah, that I mean that's really good. So like um Lycoming, they offer um a, a TBO time between overhaul extension on their on their engine. So with um air, airplane engines, you're talking about this TBO when you're looking at um ads or you know looking at buying them. Um you see TBO time between overhauls. And basically that's kind of what they say is it's reliable to run this engine this many hours. After that, you know, you're outside the manufacturer's recommendations. Lycoming, for example, I don't know what Continental will do, but Lycoming, for example, they will offer you a 200-hour extension, so a 10% extension in your time between overhaul interval um, if you fly uh, 40, 40 hours or more per month. Now, that's a lot. That's a lot. That is a lot. Yeah, it that, is. That, that's a lot. That's yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of flying. So yeah, does that 100%. go for commercial too? So if you're flying commercially, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. As long as you're putting the time on the engines, you can get okay. that extension. So like at at uh, the place we used to work at, they could get that extra time. Yeah, and they and most of the time they did. Okay. Most of the time they did. Most of the time they. Yeah, did. I didn't remember um, when they. I mean, I remember, you know. We had to swap out engines, but I didn't remember what time was on the, the airplane. Yeah. Yeah, they could. So, I mean, a lot of times, you know, like for, for a lot of people, if they privately own an airplane, you have, a, you know, it's 2,000 hours typically or 12 years is is like the manufacturer's recommended overhaul. So, so what, if you, 12 what years. if you fly, you know, what if you fly 500 hours over 12 years, you still recommend to get an overhaul? That is the manufacturer's recommendation. Yeah. Oh, screw that. <laughs> well, yeah, but well, yeah, but you did just kind of give yourself some ammo. You know, you said if it was overhauled in 1989 well, with 500. Twelve hours. years is one thing, but I mean, 89. Well, I don't know what the degradation on. difference is between 30 years ago and. Well, I think it depends on how much is flown each year. Well, I agree with if you 100. percent But you said 500 if, hours. Well, okay, but if there's a five-year gap where there's no time on it, then that's a problem. But if you're flying it five to ten hours every year throughout the year, I don't. I think that's. I mean, I don't. I don't see that as a problem. Yeah, and you know, I don't know. I mean, that that would be send the oil analysis out. It, you know, get settled in that routine and send the oil. Yeah, I mean, out if, it, if it's got good compression, if it's got good compression. The oil analysis is good. I don't see any reason to worry about it then. 
Well, of course not. Yeah, if you send the one else out and yeah, and it has good compression, yes, we've isolated that it's not a problem. I'm not just saying that it's fine just without doing those things. Yeah. So let's bring this to like an audience level. Like the three of us audience level. The three of us in one way or another at least one point in time has had or currently have had our own aircraft, right? In in one way or another. So the concept of owning an aircraft isn't really foreign to us. But if you're not a pilot yet and you never obviously never own an aircraft, most non-pilots have never owned an aircraft and you're looking at getting an aircraft to learn to fly in, that can be a somewhat intimidating prospect. Like, how would you go about even thinking about that? Like, as a new pilot, like, obviously, I mean, my just recommendation off the bat would probably just be, like, a 172. So, let's, like, that's the most common trainer aircraft in existence, right? Yeah. There's no other aircraft that's more common, so you're that's a safe bet. Well, probably. There's I a, mean, 150 is probably more common for training than a 172. Those they're think. hard to no, find good I ones don't think now. So. Though. You don't think so? 172, yeah. Well, really? 172 for sure, yeah. If 150 is a great airplane, you can if you can find a good one, you can probably they're find expensive. it cheaper they're and it's expensive my, right it, now. In my opinion, it's a better seeing. plane yeah. than the 172. Well, but, for training, I think it's better. I don't know. Yeah. I like cheap, it more. Cheaper to operate. Handles better, in my opinion. Yeah. But, I don't have um, much time. Yeah, in it's, it's all loaded. It depends on... So if you're buying one airplane, you know, the 150 is very, in my opinion, a very much so a one-trick pony. You guys are always little Scott, especially. You can't fly. You can't go anywhere. You can't do that. Whatever. So you're, you can take one person. Oh, yeah. No, I, I get it. Like, that's that's why I'm looking at, at tri-pacers, because... No, I might fly more if I had an extra seat in the back, so I could take the whole family. But and that's yeah. why I would—that's why I would recommend a 172. It's not fabric. It's there's a million, millions of them out there. How many have they made? Do we know? Is it a lot? Maybe maybe millions is not yet. No, definitely not millions. Level. Okay, not there's a lot. Right. There's a lot of them out there. They've been making them since what the 60s and 70s. Yeah, 60s. And they're—it's still today. Oh, 50s. It's, it's, it's still today pretty much this very similar make and model, whether it's, you know, even the ones that are producing today, obviously they're glass cockpit and have been updated, but it it's just the robust, you can't really go wrong learning in a 172. It's going to be easy to find an instructor that is comfortable instructing in a 172 and there's a market for it when you go to sell it. Like, is that, am I off base recommending that? I didn't know you were going to go that route with it. I didn't know we were going to go right into recommendations of airplanes to go buy. I didn't know that's where you were headed. Well, I'm talking like we, Scott and I learned in our own aircraft. I had a partner. Scott was kind of partners with Gandhi, and then Gandhi stopped flying. So, yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. What if he steps in sometimes like, hey, I want my half back? I don't think he's (laughs) going to. No. But what if he did? He's not going to, because for one, I put enough money into that plane that it's like, it should be mine at this point, you know, right. which, well, yeah, that's true too. Yeah. And I don't think he has any, I don't think he really wants to, you know, and for him, like yeah. if he wanted a plane, he's not going to, he's not going to want that plane. And if he wanted to, if he wanted to relearn how to fly, 
Like I would just, he could use it whenever he wanted. He wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't care. Like yeah. if he wanted to get back into flying, he can use it. I'm not going to charge him for it. If he puts gas in it, what do I care? So Scott you and know, I had our own planes. Lee, your dad owned some planes you learned how to fly in. Mm-hmm. So family planes. And it's, you know, those, we weren't weren't learning those his in brothers? I thought those were his brothers. No, we're not getting into that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like for an audience to learn, like, if they wanted to go purchase their own airplane, like I would recommend the 172 just as a general, obviously there's some nuances to that. I guess it but. depends on what you want to do and what you want to spend. Cause you're going to spend, you're going to spend uh 20, 30,000, uh, not 20, 10 to 10 to 30,000 more. You're going to spend it for a 172 than you are a 150. I would say For a lot of people looking to buy an airplane. I mean, how many times do you run it? What would that cost? Would that cost hundred thousand, hundred fifty thousand? It's like fifty thousand. It yeah. blows people's well, mind. Yeah. Oh yeah, cost when I of tell buying people like, oh, you have a, you have your own plane. You're rich. Like, no, I I spent like less than you paid for your car for this plane. But you know. <laughs> they don't they, they don't get it. I mean, right. there's the operating yeah. cost beyond that, which I know we'll get into. Buying the initial purchase price of the airplane, that's one thing. A lot yeah. of people can swallow that pill. Right. But, but you have to, to go fly an hour expensive. is another 150 yeah. bucks. That get, catches up quick. You got a $3,000 insurance, you know, premium per year. You got $300 a month hangar rent. It starts adding up quick. But yeah, it does. Um, well, that's why I have it, like, I found an IA that has his pilot's license that doesn't have his yeah. own plane. You've gone through that. It's not really realistic for most people, though. Well, um, I know. I'm just saying, like, if you can find somebody, if you can find a situation like that, where, like, somebody that knows yeah. how to work on a plane that just wants to use the plane, just work out a deal. It's, it's a great situation. I just don't think it's realistic for somebody getting into aviation to make and that it's kind great of contact right off but, the back. But I feel like there's prob- it's probably more realistic than you think. Yeah, but you also, I mean, you also like, I don't want to be partners with somebody either. I don't care well, who, I mean, who they are. I consider him my partner, but obviously I hold veto power over anything that he wants to do. I know, do but I don't want I anybody else flying my airplane. Oh, Scott, I don't give a shit. Anybody well, yeah, know you don't. Plane. And we've gone into this in the past, but you got to remember, Scott, there's people listening who don't even know what IA is. Like, we haven't explained that this particular episode. That's basically... Well, then they should have listened to our earlier episodes, shouldn't they? Okay, well, let's assume (laughs) they haven't. Uh, IA is inspection authorization, meaning they have the ability to work on the aircraft and inspect maintenance that has been done on the aircraft, right? I mean, in general, yeah. I mean, we don't want to rehash the IA, A&P. No, no, but but I'm saying like every every year you got... Oh, see, Rob's going to rehash it right now for us. Go ahead, Rob. Quick summary. Um, <laughs> the art of the quick summary, which Mr. Griffin sometimes has a challenge with. Uh, every year, every airplane has to be inspected once a year. The IA is the person who can, who can do that inspection. So every aircraft owner basically needs an IA to inspect yeah. the airplane so, for like a grand once a year. One of the we got in the we got in the subject last year up in northern Ohio. There's also was it a poly something religious? There's multiple gods. You were explaining polytheism. Yes. So one of there are gods of aviation up there. I know yeah. at least one of them has both. Polytheism. But it's not. 
That's what he yes. said last episode. You didn't yeah. listen to last episode yet, Scott. So. No, I know. I, I remember it, but it just sounds fun. <laughs> is Zeus? Is Zeus? Zeus. Yeah. Who is, is he? Uh, is he an IA or? I don't think he yeah. is. Is he? He's got all that maintenance stuff too. No, who? I don't Z- even know. The D. The D. E. Is Zeus? We established last episode. Right. Well, he would bring his. I remember when I worked no. there. No, 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 would, no, no, no. He would yeah. bring his plane in for for an. He didn't do it yes. himself. Like, right. No, no, no. You're right. You're right. We did um, it. I forgot who Zeus but was. See, Scott. Even Zeus does not have even a AMP, let alone an IA. No, I just most of the IAs that I know personally also fly. But you know, and I usually just have to bring this up, and I'm not bashing anybody. I respect aircraft maintenance technicians. Oh my god! To an extent, I can't even you know. Oh no, verbalize. I yeah, like I don't know half but how the shit good are they if they're know. if they're an awesome IA. Are they a good pilot? If you're an awesome pilot, are you a good IA? I mean, I just I, I don't skill sets. Totally well, different skill yeah. sets. But I think it's I think it's good to have both though, because like, well, it's a good respect and a good understanding. You have the working knowledge, you know, both sides yeah. that can you know feed each other and help you be productive. You know, right. But to go find that individual, that unicorn, I guess I'm going to start calling it, and have them be your partner in an airplane, that, that's probably... I it's guess a, it's probably it's not that pipe, many that It's are, a pipe but, dream for most people. Yeah, just, I, I you totally... You fell into that, Scott, and it was easy, and you didn't try, and it's, it's great for you, but it's just like, I don't think that's realistic advice. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I remember how we got started just on go that. to bed, Scott. You're wrong. You're wrong. No, I know. I, well, you're probably right. But I remember how we got started on that partnership. It was like, I knew him vaguely. Like, I knew who he was. Like, we had met a few times, but like, I didn't, we weren't like friends or nothing. You know, I, I knew him from around the airport. And he called me once and he's like, he's like, hey, he's like, I want to get a flight with you, but I don't have an airplane. Like, could I borrow yours? I'm like, yeah, you can, but the pin for the hangar door had popped out and the wind blew it in. It smashed the, the, the cone, the spinner cone in, you know, for the propeller. And it, uh, bashed in the cowl. And I'm like, like, you got to fix the, 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 uh, spinner on it. And I said, the cowl's dented. And, uh, I said, it's, you know, it's, it's dirty as hell. I said, I haven't flown it in like a year. I'm like, if you get it, if you fix it and get it ready to fly, like you can do whatever you want with it. <laughs> He's like, oh, okay. And he, he, he fixed it and washed it. And he's like, I like, you mind if I fly it, if I do all the maintenance for it? I'm like, no, I'm like, that's perfect for me. I'm like, that's the best deal I've ever heard of. Cause I don't have time to do that. Like, I don't know. Well, yeah, I, it's probably not going to happen for most people. Probably not. Yeah. You know, probably not. I and guess. and I wouldn't want it even. So even I could even if you had a list in your phone of oh I ain't a pilot I ain't a pilot I ain't a pilot and they can you know do all this shit for me stuff. Sorry, Rob. Um, I don't like. I would not take anybody up on that deal. Yeah, I, I wouldn't either. No, there's just there's you know again you have a, a a very specific instance you have all these people around you you have a scenario that is unique in every sense of the word involving aviation 
And then I, and Rob's probably mostly with me, I care more about my airplane. That's why I don't want to rent. I would rather not rent than fly a, I would rather not fly than fly a rental. That's, that's yeah, where that's I That's how am. I'm at. I hate, I can't stand rental planes. And I, I wish I would have learned that lesson before mm, I sold this, my plane. But. Just fly mine. Yeah. Well, but that's the still, same concept to me. I don't want to fly yours either. Like, I don't, yours, you want to own I don't it, have I to it. go. Yeah. yeah, I like Scott's. It's, it's a 150. It's right there. Same strip I'm so familiar with. Same make a mile I'm familiar with. I don't have to book the time. I just call you up unless you are, are flying it, which is never, or Jim's flying <laughs> yeah, it, which yeah, hardly it's ever. Much, it's always, yeah. it, when I'm up there on vacation, it's like, it's always just sitting there in the hangar, like ready to go, which I like. But yeah, it's not your own. So back to somebody purchasing an airplane. Um, can you, you can obviously legally buy an airplane, uh, before you're a pilot, correct? Yeah. There's nothing in the law that prevents a non-pilot from purchasing an airplane. Obviously you can't legally fly this thing you own until you become a rated certified pilot, but unless it weighs under what? 275 pounds, something like that. That's not, it's not real. It's it's like ultralight Craigslist stuff. We're not talking about that. (laughs) Whatever. We're not talking about buying. We're talking about buying it off of aerotrader.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Right? So, like, what's that first step? Because I've actually never personally done this. Like, what paperwork's involved? Oh, it's so simple. It's so much easier than buying anything else in the world. An airplane really? is like you don't need a notary. You don't need anything. Really. No, the, there's this, like the, that super simple bill of sale thing. Yeah, you, uh, they sign their name. You sign their name. You send it in, and then they, uh, they send you back a, uh, a new registration. It was, and you, and you like write in how much you paid for it. Too. Yeah. Well, you don't even have to. And so you like don't, you, can you put don't on have there one dollar. You don't have to put anything. You don't even have to put it on there what you paid for it. Really? There's no ta- there's no tax on it. There's no tax. You can pay. You can pay whatever you want for it. There's no tax on it. I bought six airplanes now. There's no. I've never paid. A, I've never paid a dime of tax on any of them. I didn't know that. Just because it's a federal register. Well, that's draft. because you're putting zero on the on the bill of sale. No, there's no there's no tax on it unless you Why register not? it. I guess once you register it, you may have to pay tax on it, but I've never. Okay. Registered. So Scott's bought oh. a ton of airplanes and never registered. Maybe, just, maybe once you register it, you have to pay state tax on it, but I don't think there's any federal tax. Then you're buying it under salvage too, which is different. Well, I don't, uh, yeah. it's not, it's not specified as salvage. Okay. You know, I, I mean, I could, I could, what, what if I fix it up and flew it? You'd have to register it. Then you'd have to pay the taxes. Yeah, I, I suppose. Yeah, okay. but so when you're doing the bill of sale, so like there's like the, you know, from to and like yeah. in consideration of a dollar amount or some something like that. I don't think there's Is even a the spot for There's using? not even a spot for a dollar amount. You don't put the dollar amount. You don't have to. Well, I don't. Well, also, Scott, I don't know what form you're talking about. So the, I, uh, this I, I trust. To. Scott has bought more vehicles of Differing boats, motorcycles, mostly motorcycles, cars, and planes than anybody I know. Yeah, it's, it's easier so to like buy an airplane than it is a motorcycle. 
Yeah, the titles and stuff. That's you don't need a notary. You don't have to have it notarized. I would put this in the wheelhouse of Scott's expertise is like titling and stuff. This is literally, you deal with this all day with your, the business. Basically right? they sign it over to you for an airplane. It's like a, like a title or a bill of sale. It's like a title that doesn't need notarized. They sign it over to you. And instead of going to the title office, you just mail it in and then they mail you back. They mail it back. To who, are you, you. who are you mailing it to? Uh, well, I don't know. It's out in Kansas, I think. Uh, yeah. Well, so, okay, okay, so yeah. Sure. Yeah. This is the difference. So I just looked up the bill of sale, and that is you have to do it if you're registering the airplane. Okay. See, I don't. So I've only I don't know what you're doing before. Yeah. But well, yeah. This is an official FAA form, and the yeah. very first line on it is for and in consideration of a dollar amount. The undersigned owners of the full legal beneficial title of the aircraft described as follows, blah, blah, blah. And number, aircraft manufacturer, make and model, um, aircraft serial number, and then just, you know, legal legal stuff and to and from and yeah. all kinds of stuff. But yeah, it's an FAA. It's an FAA form number that you have to do in order to register the aircraft. Okay. So well, if you're not trans- registering your... Transfer of title is very simple. Then I don't know about actually And this is still it. very simple. I would still yeah. say this is probably still very simple. Yeah. You don't have a note. You don't have to have There's a no note or anything. Yeah. There. I mean, I bought I bought several planes. I never pay tax on any of them because you don't have to. There's no tax on. Well, them. and this is one way to get around it too, because you can say for in consideration of like everybody always puts one dollar. Yeah. Well, that's what I so said. Like, like, if you want to, if you want to launder money, like buying used aircraft is a good way to launder money because. <laughs> There's, there's no verification of it. You don't have to pay tax on it. You can put whatever you want in there. It doesn't matter. You don't have to pay tax on it unless you register oh. it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I don't would, know how that ends up breaking down either. And I would there. say that's not applicable for most people. Most people are buying, if they're buying an airplane, well, they're, they're planning yeah. on registering it yeah. and flying it. If you're going to part it out, like you buy it, it's a good way to launder money. If you got a bunch of dirty money you want to clean up, Buy a buy a parts airplane, sell the parts. This isn't salvage air, aircraft salvage with a Sopranos episode. This is buying an aircraft to learn how to fly an episode, oh. Scott. Oh, sorry, I got sidetracked. <laughs> Whatever. It's, it's good good advice as as always, Scott. Though. Yeah. Good advice. Um, maybe not pertinent to uh, our you conversation. Could buy, you could buy an airplane and uh, tell the IRS. You could pay ten thousand for it and tell the IRS you paid a hundred thousand for it. As long as the person you bought it from is on board with you, you're good. Yeah, we, we can a, do that. That's, with a, nine, that's a ninety thousand dollar write off. Yeah, I always put the the plane loads of kilos that come in. I always put zero, so I don't have to pay the I tax did, on. It. I did buy a plane once, and. Uh, you know, he he asked me what I was gonna do with it. I said I'm I'm gonna part it out. You know, I was honest with him because there's been a few where I was like, yeah, I'm gonna fix it up and fly it because they like they want to see the plane fly. And uh, he's like, he's like, well, for the price, he's like, you can put it, say whatever you want for you bought it. It's like, well, I said, yeah, I said I'm just gonna write it off, whatever. You know, he's like, well, you can you can jack it way up if you want. He's like, I'll. 
I'll go with whatever you say. If you need, if you, if you want extra write off, he's like, just put in a higher dollar amount and you can write it off more, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That happens every day with, yeah. If, if you're not buying something, if person to person buying private seller to private buyer that happens. Oh yeah. Every hour yeah. of every day. Yeah. I'm pretty sure like for everything I was, yeah. I was in the dealership business for a while and, we had to do everything legit at the dealership, but private sellers, I knew for a fact, none of the private sellers were doing any of oh, anything no. properly. Yeah. yeah you buy something. Joke. Yeah. You buy something from an individual. Like if you don't want to pay tax yeah. when you buy it. You bought it for like nothing. So anyway, I, this I know, is, I know this somebody is less... that used to go, go ahead. <laughs> Whatever. This is not this is not the tax fraud episode. This is the uh, buying a plane to learn how to fly an episode. But if you want a tax fraud episode, we could probably produce one. Email FARAM at scottboris.com. If he gets five emails about it, we'll consider I can I can we'll consider I, doing a tax I'm fraud pretty, episode. I'm pretty good with tax law. That's <laughs> a magician. <laughs> And I've, done, I've done. Is I've text, done some, they're texting their IRS I'm, buddies. I am better. Right. I am better at tax law than I am at flying. I will say that. I would. I would second that. Yeah, you. You <laughs> certainly have more hours dealing. With I tax have more law hours dealing with tax flying. law than I do flying. I will say. That. <laughs> so, anyway, one seventy-two. We're buying a one seventy-two to learn how to fly in. All right. So we found it. What are some things we need to be looking for? Aerotrader.com is a good one, right? What's another? Yeah. Barnstormers. Trade Barnstormers is great. Barnstormers is. These are all, these are all online. Facebook. This is where you buy. Facebook is good too. Really? Oh, yeah. He's buying airplanes to part out, Rob. Don't perk your ears up. No, no, honestly, honestly, Facebook, Facebook marketplace has destroyed Craigslist. Like Craigslist is like gone because of Facebook. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's uh, cool. I hardly even, I hardly even check Facebook market or Craigslist anymore because of Facebook marketplace. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, same concept. Honestly, if if you don't have a Facebook, like I wouldn't have a Facebook if I didn't have a wife, but I have a wife. So I have a Facebook because like, she made you get a Facebook. No, because she like posts things that like we're doing together and stuff. You know, we're doing this or whatever. You know? She needs someone to tag in it. Yeah, know, she so. tags me and stuff, so it makes sense. You know, Lee, you are the only millennial not on the internet other than this show, right? Yeah, yeah probably. But does your wife have Facebook? I, if I, oh yeah, if I didn't okay. have I'll, a Facebook, I'll send her a friend request. Then if yeah, I didn't, do it up. if I didn't have a Facebook. I would get one just for marketplace. Yeah. Just make a well, fake one. I mean, one. that's fine. Or make I make one, but don't don't have any friends. Just use marketplace. If you want to buy if you want to buy and sell stuff, that's the way to do it. Okay, we're there's talking about buying one, an airplane. Let's just buy one. Yeah, but 1% Facebook Marketplace is huge for have airplane. a Facebook already. So let's just focus on 172. We're buying a 172. Well, no, I, I was just saying, like, I, I'm not a fan of Facebook at all, but Facebook Marketplace yeah, no, is. So that's a that's another one. Barnstormers, Facebook. Yeah, I would play. say I would say Barnstormers first. 
then Facebook, then Trader Plane. And this is interesting because if you've never like been, he in disagrees the with me. He's shaking his head. He's shaking his head. What do you, what do you say then? What do you say, I, Lee? I go to controller. No, I do trade a plane. Controllers, no, controllers too fancy. It's too fancy. It's too expensive. Right. Uh, yeah, but I'm looking for Pride and Joy airplanes that I will care about. You either basically ride them like a pack mule and don't care about what they look like or how broke down they look or anything. No pride and ownership, or you're just gonna buy them to part them out anyways. Right. Borderline scrap metal. Borderline yeah. the same thing, just one is actually airworthy. Controllers, yeah, stay away from that. It's pricey, but you know no. that that individual probably... I have seen some okay deals on controller, but your better deals are going to be on Barnstormers or Facebook. But I'm not the guy necessarily looking for the best deal. I am looking for something to check some very specific boxes when I am making a... If I were to make a purchasing decision on an airplane. Does it run and does it fly? Those are the two. No, boxes the, no, they're they're not. No, because that airplane that you just passed up in in Virginia or Indiana probably did both those things. Pennsylvania. Well, one of the neighboring states, and you passed it up. You want to go talk to the IA? Well, yeah, I'm picky. You could still be picky. You're coming about in all. You're coming in all hardcore. Does it run? Does it fly? Okay, we're buying. No, I know. I no. Listen, listen. I'm picky as hell, but. But I also am not going to pay more it's for something. It's 16.5. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you're rolling the dice, but if it doesn't work out, you can go. Oh, yeah. I can put it out for way more than that. Oh, I'd still make a well, fortune on it. Yeah. Well, sounds like it was. It would have been a winning proposition and in your case. And yeah. that's what I, I should have bought it. But, what... but I also wanted to hear from. You know, that's a lot. Of, I don't know. I just, I just want to hear from the IA. I want to see what he has to say. I don't want to hear what some hillbilly has to say. I was going to interject, but it's. I stopped because it wasn't really relevant to the audience. But I'll say it now. But you, sh- if most people don't have the setup to, if the fabric ends up being bad, to just part out the plane and move. Well, the yeah, I already have the eBay store like, with lots of parts. Yeah, you've already have so everything. You are, you have all the systems to just. If it doesn't work out, you just scrap it and probably make money on the parts. Anyway, yeah, I'd make money. Most people don't if have I bought that. it for sixteen five and it turned out to be a piece of crap, I could put it out and make you, money on it. You'd have to wait maybe a couple of years to get your money back. Yeah, it would take me more, a couple of years, but, you, but I would get it, more it than would, what I spent on it. Exactly. So let's go back to my example. Would be a one seventy two is what I would recommend there to goes most people to as a gen- generic Lee. Do you second that or not? What's your opinion? If you were going to recommend a gym, obviously there's nuances. We don't have the ability to talk to every, you know, each person's individual needs. Do you have like a general make and model to look for? um, If you were purchasing and looking for basically to, uh, I don't know if I want to say like to save money because, I feel like I saved a lot of money getting all the hours I did in the 150 versus had I rented all those. Um, but it's also, it's more than that. It's like, just if you, if you have the money, like I, it, it was saving, especially having a partnership. It yeah. cost me less to learn to fly because of that than had I rented. 
But even if it costs the same or a little more, there's something about that's just great about having your own plane. I think a lot of people that, you know, would endeavor to learn to fly and have the wherewithal to do that, you know, whatever stage of life they're in, I think they would identify with what we're saying. I think they would identify with having the pride and ownership. And um, I mean, obviously, there's all different walks of life. Some people need the partner to afford it. Some people just want that that group, that camaraderie, and they'll go do the $100 hamburger thing, and they'll just alternate. Hey, you fly there. I'll fly back. They do those sorts of things, and it's and it's weird to me, but some that's how they make it work. Or they have a group of 16 people that own small shares of an airplane. I don't know, but um, I think I think you're 100% uh, right. You know, you can save a lot of money, you know, probably by now. There's obviously some, some upfront costs you have to factor in. You know, upfront front costs. Yeah. There are um, fixed costs that you're going to have to pay out every year, whether you fly the thing or not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can fly one hour or 500 hours. You're still paying that insurance premium, that hangar rent, that annual bill, you know, that annual inspection bill. All yep. those things have to happen. And I'm sure there's others that I'm not thinking about, but. So there yeah. is a cut. There is a cutoff point where if you don't fly it enough, you're definitely for sure going to. It's going to cost you more to own. But if you're flying, I mean, I hesitate to put a number on it. But if you're flying like ten, twenty hours a month, probably ten hours a month, I would say. That's. I think that's kind of what I averaged. Ten, twenty hours a month with the one fifty, and that was price-wise versus what I was paying. And all a lot of the fixed costs were split because I had a partner. Um, it was way cheaper, way cheaper than it would have been had I been renting. Yeah, well, and in a 150, you know, so if you had a 172 or, you know, the Piper equivalent, like a Piper Archer, yeah, some of those, you know, variable costs like fuel per hour, things like that are going to cost more. Insurance premium is going to be more because it's more seats. That's pretty much how airplane insurance works. The more seats, the more the insurance is. You know, if it's a, it can be a two seat tailwheel like a Cub, uh, and the insurance is going to be high just because it's more difficult, more likely to have an accident. But um, in general, it's by the seat. Um, those costs will be, you know, relatively the same between the the Piper equivalent and the um, the uh, one seventy two. But the one seventy two, you know, burning more. Those those variable costs are going to be higher. So where the shape, where it all uh, shakes out, and the the cost benefit of owning versus renting, that might be a higher hour number for that break even point. Okay. You know what I mean? Because every it's 10 gallons an hour versus, you know, uh, six, six gallons an hour. Yeah. So uh, the engine, every hour you burn on that engine is, you know, maybe $5 more per, per hour. Or like wear and tear. Yeah. Wear and tear, you know, every hour, you know, you're, that's one hour gone from that 2000 an hour. You know, you, you start with a, with, with a pile of hours, 2000 of them. And every hour, one of them is gone. So you're eventually you're going to have to cough up the money. If you own it, you're going to have to cough up the money for that engine overhaul. Now that is manufacturer's recommendation. So if you privately own it, or if you're just, you know, let's just go with that. If you just privately own it, you can fly it over the manufacturer's recommended, but 
you know, it's kind of iffy what the insurance is going to do if there is ever an issue because you flew it over the manufacturer's recommendation. Is it airworthy by the FAA's definition? Did the mechanic say it was airworthy? Yeah, he did. But you are still over the manufacturer's recommendation time between overhauls. And so I've I've heard that it is possible if there was a claim, you know, the engine failed, you know, and you obviously you didn't want to crash and die because then you don't really care what the insurance does. But if there's something minor they, you know, that you walked away from still did significant damage to the airplane, they may not cover it because you flew the engine beyond the manufacturer recommendation. That's just something to, to take into account. But what I was getting but at is that the cost you, of that when engine. You, when you renew your insurance, don't you have to put in how many uh, hours since TBO? Uh, I only, uh, how I many only hours fill since, out. Not since TBO, but since major. You don't have to do that? Not on our insurance forms, no. No. Okay. Well, I, we do. I we know. do. You, you might be right. You and our yeah. our times, our flight times. Yeah. Scott, but, you... You do this once a year, don't you? What do you yeah, but do I you don't do that. Yeah, I, I just fill out whatever they whatever they email me, and then I fill it out and send it back. I no, what's on it. The way I look at that though is like I just BS the numbers anyways. Basically, I'm, as I know most people do, I just I I realistically guess without going over, kind of like prices right rules, because yeah, then I know like I, I'm I'm I on the consumer side. I try not to, you know, you don't want to be on the wrong side because then it's technically not be covered you know what do you mean you don't want to be i don't want to say i have more time in the airplane than i have right yeah yeah that's what i'm saying yeah but if they were to go back and be like well you know if this is your actual time on the airframe and the engine then they could actually like draw conclusions like hey you said you flew 300 hours but you put 500 hours on the engine or the airframe yeah. Well, where those come from, you know, but I'm, I'm that we're getting way out there. But so the cost to learn, you know, if you're learning to fly the cost in a, in a 150 is that is probably the best bang for the buck. Although in, it may not be the airplane you're going to keep her forever. It might not be, you know, the pride and joy that you wanted for your first airplane and whatever else. And it won't be the end all do all everything for your airplane either. But from a learn to fly, get the basics down cheaply, I can't think of a better airplane to do it in that's readily no. available, yeah, semi-readily available. But if you want something you can grow into, which would be my stance, yeah. if I were to do it over again, whatever, I would I would go personally, Rob keeps saying the 172, which I basically am agreeing with, but I would just do the Piper equivalent, which is you know an archer or a warrior. Because you learned on probably. Piper, we learned on Cessna. It's, yeah. That don't underestimate too when you get into flying, like what you start with, like Cessna versus Piper versus some other stuff. Like you'll have that brand loyalty, whether you're like it gets ingrained in you once you have those first learning stuff. Like I, if you learn a Cessna, you are going to be more inclined to buy a Cessna later in life. If you learn a Piper, you are going to be more inclined to learn right. in a or. That's why uh, Piper stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's why well, and they know that. Cessna and Piper know that. That's why they you know, try to get to all these flight schools. That's why Apple yeah. gives all the schools that live in areas where they determine that the parents have enough money to buy Apple products. 
you give them all free Apple products. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, back to the airplane thing, uh, 100%. I mean, uh, yeah, I, but I would say four seat in the, the 172 and the Piper Archer, I'll use the terms interchangeably because they both, the, it's, you know, Ford Chevy, it's, you know, it's a Chevy Silverado or a Ford F-150. That's what we're talking about. They both have truck beds. They both have four seats. They both have V8 engines and four, four-wheel drive, respectively. And they both have a slew of people that will defend them to the death over yes. the other one. Yes. Based largely on opinion. Yep. Large, <laughs> largely, yeah. Largely on opinion. <laughs> and, you know, th- but by and large, they are airplanes that do similar speeds, burn, hold similar amounts of gas, hold similar amounts of payload, and capability as far as, well, you know, the type of uh, operations you can conduct. You know, we've talked about visual flight rules and instrument flight rules. They're capable of conducting the same same instrument approaches. Really, it's there. It's a placeholder. So if I say 172, I mean both of them. If I say Archer or Warrior, I mean both of them because they represent the same market. Yeah, I guess is the best way to describe it. And I would start there. And you know, you go back in time. You know, you get a. a I would I would choose a late 70s, uh, like 70 mid to late 70s for either of these models, um, just because that gets your price down. And with you know some investment, you can get some of the latest and greatest GPS stuff in it without paying any upfront cost. But I mean, obviously, taking one off the assembly line would be sweet. Well, yeah, you get one from 79 it's basically yeah. just as fast. I would just buy it, yeah. Never buy new, at least buy a few years old. If you want something new, buy, well, buy one de- a couple years it old. De- it depends on what your net worth is, Scott. Well, I suppose. Direct people to like, we need to direct people to like the Dave Ramsey podcast. Yeah. For most people, yeah, it's don't buy new. It's crazy. But there's yeah. a lot of people well, yeah, out there. I mean, if you, yeah. If flying you community has a, flying community has a lot of wealthy people on it. Yeah. I mean, it's it takes, got a wide range. Of, coin to, yeah. Wide range. There's some wealth. It takes some, some, co- it so takes some coin to play. I yeah. mean, you're either like so passionate. You're kind of like a normal person where, you know, you can make it your main thing and it's kind of a priority. So you can, you know, find the money to do it. And then there's all the way to people who it's just like this little side hobby that like, doesn't like financially doesn't even affect them. Yeah. You know, if you're worth, you get to the net worth and it's, that's who, that's what keeps these manu airplane manufacturers afloat. It's the guys. Well, that's true. The people, yeah. If everybody bought used, then yeah, they could stop making new airplanes. So anyway, this isn't a financial podcast, all right? You know your situation. I would say don't borrow money to buy a plane, though. But that's just my personal opinion. I mean, I fully intend to borrow money to buy an airplane. I'm not going to be able to get one any other way. It depends on your situation. I mean, it depends on your situation, but this is the way I'm looking at it. I don't want to be, I don't want what I would consider to be junk. Because I don't want to fly junk. I don't want to rent. I don't want to fly junk. And I don't want to partner. So I've really pigeonholed myself, pay myself in a corner that I have to have a certain like caliber or tier of aircraft type. And that tier happens already to be kind of a little bit expensive anyways for no apparent reason. So you 
you have all these things going against you. So what am I going to do? I don't want to wait till I retire and have a lump of cash that I can just pull out of to pay, to pay cash. I want to start enjoying it now. It's I mean, just, it, that makes I'm sense. Just weird. I'm just, just weird. With I'm just weird. I'm not. Butt. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I just, I just, I'm I with first, you, but we're talking about buying an airplane. No, I understand. Like, if, if I didn't have an airplane already, I might feel the same way you do. So I can't. Well, yeah, but you also are looking at sixteen thousand dollar airplanes, Scott. Well, what are you looking at? 40, go, go find 50. any super cub. Let's not a super cub. Well, go you find have a cub. You, you have a find family. A cub for you have a family, so maybe you shouldn't buy a super cub. Maybe you should buy like a uh, sixteen thousand five hundred dollar. Try pacer. Try pacer. Scott, yeah. Scott, don't never tell someone not to buy a super cup. That should be like a rule. Yeah, that well, should be a rule. Well, Lee has you don't Lee has two kids he, and a wife, so I think that it should be pretty apparent I, but, that he probably shouldn't buy a I super think, cup. Right, I Lee? think there's an over I think there's an Maybe, overriding I'm, rule. Let me ask Lauren. Is, is Lauren still I, awake? We, I think we could ask her what I she thinks think about that. Scott, Scott, I think the over lying man rule is you never talk another man out of buying a super cub that's like no it's I'm like not, gotta, it's got to be on the top i'm just telling be on the him, top couple hundred i'm just telling list him of man rules i'm just telling him from basic knowledge about how women and family operate if you have a family if you have a family of four if you have a family of four and you buy a two-place airplane you're probably going to be in trouble <laughs> okay, man rule number two hundred. Man, man rule number. You are right, no, buy not, a super Okay, cup. not a man rule. It's not a man rule. It's a it's a basic observance of instinct. It's like an instinctual like. No, but Rob is saying that don't tell somebody not to buy a super. I'm not cup telling you not to buy rule. a super cup. I'm not telling you not to buy a super cup. I'm saying I hear you that you have a family of four. Meaning I'm with you, you your and, wife and two kids. If yes. you buy, if you spend fifty thousand on a two-place airplane, you can't find a super cup for fifty grand. Okay, so that's you, where you're already. Okay, wrong. so if you if you spend eighty thousand on a two-place, well, if you spend a hundred thousand on a two-place airplane, and you're a husband with a family of four, and it only has two seats, you're probably going to be in trouble. That's just that's okay. just I, my I get it. <laughs> am I, I wrong? I get it. Am I wrong? No, tell me I'm tell me I'm you wrong. You are right. You okay. are right. But okay. we, we have we have changed the purpose of airplanes. If we go by your definition, Scott, the way you use your airplane, I should be allowed to and you I wanna just bring this back to reality but, your family is also bigger than two people it is and you happen is, to have i, a I two already place owned airplane. that beforehand i owned it before but i even made the decision my, every day when you went i've up owned that airplane before my my kid even existed so i understand but every and day it, you make the decision to at, keep it at this point at this point the kid is like at this point like in a few more years it's just gonna be me and my wife like what do i need four seats for I won't need four seats in a few years. Well, it, right now, anyways, it, right now it'd be really nice to have four seats, but in a few more years, like two seats is all I'm going to need. But, Scott, I think you're, I think you're not factoring in properly the fact that it's a PA 18. 
I agree. I agree. Yeah. Like, well, like maybe. But would you tell me not proud. to go buy a jet ski? Probably. I mean, I would tell me not to go buy a jet I, ski. Yeah, I don't want I don't have anything to do with jet skis. I'm not if I was in, in the market for a fun maritime or marine maritime, a fun marine vehicle. Don't buy a jet ski. Yeah, don't buy a jet ski. I, well, I, I'm trying to... You have a family, to, Lee. Just buy like a similarity. small boat. Buy a small boat so you can take your family <laughs> Dude, jet skis? No, jet... I'm telling you from personal experience, jet skis are awesome as long as they're not your only way to get out in the water. Like, yeah. jet ski is yeah. something you have sitting on the jet dock next to your boat. Right. And then it's novel for the first two years. Yeah. And then nobody then in the family ends up using them. Yeah. And then you sell them because nobody's using them. Because okay, jet skis. Well, a super cub would not be that scenario. No, no, the super that. cub, super cub would not be that scenario. Which is another thing we want to. I want to drive back to something, some sort of conversation that's somewhat pertinent. Um, if I was going to change something about, which is makes it weird that I'd recommend a one seventy two to most people, uh, I wouldn't change much with how Scott and I learned how to fly. Would you, Scott? No, no, I like don't, it I was. Don't. It I don't was like change anything because I don't know. I mean, one fifties with Don, like, yeah. it, like I didn't realize it at the time, but now that I'm older and have had tons of other instructors and other situations and stuff, I realize how special that was. The only thing I would change is I would have done it in a tailwheel airplane. That's the only thing I would have changed. I suppose, but, but I, I don't. I don't want to own a tailwheel airplane. Oh, I want to own one, but the, mm. I hesitate to recommend that because it's it's difficult in this day and age to find an instructor that will teach tailwheel. Period. Let alone do initial instruction in a tailwheel. They just don't exist. It's a rare breed anymore. It's so a, another hurdle. Yeah, like Scott and I had Don Mather teaching us how to fly. If we if we bought like Cubs instead of one fifties, oh, he would have yeah. He wouldn't have bat an eyelash. No. Just, you yeah. know, like, so we could have done that. That's yeah. the only oh, yeah. thing I would have tweaked. Like, because Don would, it would not have bothered it. We wouldn't have soloed in less than 10 hours. No. Uh, but, but he wouldn't have bat an eyelash at teaching us how to fly in those instead of the 150s. No. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been a perfect scenario. I mean, it was a good scenario either way. So it could have, would have, should have, but you didn't know. And probably if, if that would have been on the table, like, you know, Hey, you can buy this Cessna 140 that's tailwheel or this Cessna 150 that's nose gear. By the time you got to the final uh, decision making process, probably everybody would have talked you out of doing the, out of doing the tailwheel then. Probably, yeah. You know, so that's just you're you're looking at it from the lens of where you are now, looking backwards. You know, and, and it, it it's just nitpicking too because it was amazing way to learn how to fly the way right. we learned how to fly. But it's like yeah. if I ha- if someone's like, hey you have to have changed something. It would have been to do it in a tailwheel instead. It's the only change I would have tweaked for as far as the initial training. Yeah. Yeah. No, that no. And I think that's great, great advice for people, you know, go get some tailwheel hours, you know, just like, you know, say, go get some helicopter hours, get some tailwheel hours, you know, picking your instructor too. Cause if you're owning your own airplane, it's a different boat, right? Cause you got to kind of find your own instructor at that point. Yeah. Or work with a school that's willing to work with you that has your own airplane. And if that's the case and you find an instructor, like say you're kind of shopping, I'd almost recommend shopping instructors before you shop planes because they could probably help you buy a plane anyway. 
Um, so if you were to just find a unicorn instructor that's cool with teaching you tailwheel, I'd recommend getting a Satabria. I've only flown one once, so I don't. They're not, com- they're not common enough. I mean, how many? Uh, I, I wouldn't say they're uncommon, but they're between uncommon. the Satabria and the Decathlon, Super Decathlon, there's there's a bunch of Satabria. It's basically a Satabria, but they call it something else. It's almost the same plane, though. I can't remember because I did my tail. Okay, maybe no flaps. And there's something. No, there's something else too. Um, I can't remember the names. You look at it. You look at it. It's a Satabria. Everyone would call it a Satabria, but technically it's not. Because I I did my tailwheel transition in a Satabria, um, and the instructor was explaining to me how we saw another one flying up in Daytona one time. We were doing it. And he's like, "It's not a Super Decathlon." It could be. I don't know. It's been so could long. It, can it fly inverted? I don't know. We saw it on the ramp across because I learned in a I learned tailwheel in a Satabria. Oh, it's probably a decathlon. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's one that's like fully aerobatic, constant speed prop, no flaps. Yeah, I'm pretty sure no flaps. Okay. So yeah, that was that would be 180 my, horsepower. That would be my other recommendation if you can't find like a good used 150. That's obviously solid. Yeah, but then that that's a lot of money, dude. The 150? No, the Satabria. They're like, well, it's been a two no, and a half years. It's been, it's been three years, but it's thirty, like thirty grandish, thirty, thirty-five ish, non IFR ones. Back when I was talking to him. Yeah, I, I yeah, I mean, I haven't looked in the mar- at the market for Satabrias, but I would have thought more like fifty, sixty, but. I don't know. So, okay, sure. But there's a lot of airplanes in, that's probably a really good point is maybe search out instructors because you need that chemistry. And if the chemistry exists, you know, hopefully you can, uh, you know, kind of help, they can help you navigate through the the purchasing process. Cause there's a lot you can, it can be completely, you know, you can be inundated with information, every forum you read and every, everything every youtube video you watch everybody's got an opinion you know i mean we each three here have have different opinions on it it could really be mind-boggling to have all that information coming at you you need somebody like they can be like your mentor and that's really kind of what the flight instructor should should be throughout your all of the flying all the aspects and facets of the flying hopefully they can be that for you but the chemistry is important because you're going to be sitting literally right next to that individual no, they're going to be your your mentor. Yeah, maybe if that was the kind of the gist to sum up this episode is it may seem crazy to own an airplane, but don't don't write it off. No, I'm not. I'm not saying everyone could could swing that, and there's situations where renting one would probably be wiser than purchasing one. But that's not like a general rule. Like there's. I would say a fair amount of people, depending on your situation, uh, one of the factors being financial situations where it, it almost makes more sense to to buy your own aircraft when you start, especially if you know 100% you're going to do it. Like, and I'd, I'd, probably pa- I'd probably pass a medical first. Like, keep- that'd be a... That'd suck to, like, buy an airplane oh, and then yeah. pass your medical. But also, like, keep in mind... Medical- Keep in mind, like an uh, an aircraft is not like a used car. So, if you buy an aircraft, 
say you buy something from the 70s or whatever, and you own it for five years, 10 years, it's probably not going to lose any value as long as you maintain it properly. And don't put crap tons of hours on it. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, if you put a ton of hours on it, it's going to lose value. I mean, obviously, every hour you put it on it, it's going to lose a, a small amount of value. But for the most part, if you buy, let's say you buy a uh, 1975, 172 with uh, 800 hours on it, and you, and five years later, you've put two, two or 300 hours on it, you can probably sell it for the same amount of price, the same amount you, you bought it for. You're not losing money on it. Yeah, the 150 that Rob Engel and I got, uh, our dad's got it. It was $25,000. We own it for seven years. I believe we put about a thousand hours on it. Yeah. You guys more, maybe? Quite, between the, the three of you, you flew up quite a bit. Yeah, and we sold it for $24,500. So it cost you $1,000. No, no, no. We lost, as far as sale bucks. to sale, oh, you it lost, was $500. Lost $500, yeah. Yep, over seven years. Yeah. And put a decent amount of hours on the plane. Yeah. So. And didn't really have any major hiccups with maintenance and stuff. No, we're like, like, oh, crap happened where it cost us a fortune to fix it. The way, that, we're lucky none of that happened. The way 150s are right now, like 150s are... The price of 150s have they've spiked higher than most aircraft have, so it's not. What are they going for now? Well, I mean, obviously it's a wide range, but like, what would you know my plane? What would my plane have gone? What would my plane go for now if it wasn't a pattern horror in Texas? Well, I don't, I don't remember how many hours were on it. I don't know, but sixteen hundred. We it, sold it with sixteen hundred. It'd probably go for about what you what you sold it for, maybe a little more. Okay, probably maybe maybe twenty seven. I'd say. All right. Yeah, that sounds yeah. about right. Yeah, but uh, you know, they've gone they've gone up significantly for compared to compared to some other planes that I've been been looking at. You know, because they're cheap to fly. People want them. It's, it seems more. Yeah. There's more demand for for small trainer aircraft than there used to be. Seems yeah. like anyway. Basically, from what I've been watching. But uh, you know, I, for example, I well, I I I didn't pay it. My my parents bought my plane when I was 15 for 17,000. But it's probably worth. I could probably sell it for. Low twenties, somewhere. Now you know. Obviously, it's had hours put on it, and many years gone by. But based on the hours that are on it and what it is, it would probably go for twenty-two to twenty-five. I'd say. Huh. So it's actually one thing you think of increase in value since we bought it. Yeah, that's yeah. It's not like a '70s or an '80s airplane now is like a 2000 car. Oh yeah, yeah. Like a year 2000 car, right? Because they're maintained. So they're it, required to be maintained, so it's not like well, and they're very component driven. The things right. that wear out are replaceable. Yeah. Like we're in a car, they're kind of basically expendable when it's used yeah, up. Transmission it, goes out. In a car, you don't replace car. something till it breaks. 
in an aircraft, you replace something when it needs replaced. Yeah, preventative maintenance. Yeah, all that good stuff. And one thing to think about too is like if you buy an airplane, let's say we talked a lot about the time between overhauls, the two thousand hour. Let's say you buy something that is mid time, and Rob, you used the example you guys put about a thousand hours on it. Well, let's say you buy something mid time, so it's a thousand hours on the engine. Let's say the airframe has a thousand hours, the engine has a thousand hours, and you go put um, a thousand hours on the airplane after you've bought it. Well, you that means you've brought the airframe up to 2,000 hours and you've basically timed out, you know, you've ran out the time between overhauls uh, on the engine. Well, you go put a brand new engine on it. Yeah, you still put 1,000 hours on the airframe. Yes, you went from 1,000 when you bought it to 2,000 when you sold it. But now you've got a zero-time engine hanging on the front of it. And these engines are a significant portion, 80%, you know, of, of a uh, 172 or an art. Well, I don't want to say 80% for, for a uh, 172. Yeah, I mean, 50%, 50, 50, 40, 50%. But the airframe is good for 10,000 10, hours, 10, 12,000 hours. The engines are only good for two. So it's kind of a, a disproportionate you know, thing. So yeah, you had a thousand hours of airframe, but you got a zero time engine on it. So the, you know, when you, of course that may be priced into when, you know, if you bought it right, you priced it into what the airplane was worth because you're buying a mid time engine. Yeah. But honestly, there's potential that you've gained some value in the airframe by now you paid it because you put, you hung the engine on there, but it's easy to go sell it for more than you paid. If depending on if you were on the cusp of an engine change. When I look at airplane, and if you bought it right, I look at the the engine time. I don't even. I don't really care so much about the airframe time. Yeah, if, if I see an airframe that's got over ten thousand hours on it, that's gonna scare me. But if it's got five thousand hours on the airframe, but low time on the engine, that doesn't bother me at all. Depends on what the airplane is. Well, I depends suppose. on you know. Yeah. But like 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 if I'm looking for my dream super cub or my dream cessna 180 you know i don't want anything really over over 3500 hours okay that's that's me you know for some odd reason when you get to four man four is almost five and five is halfway to ten i you know would I, mean? I would fight you uh I agree with you on that statement, Lee, except for the Super Cub, the PA-18, because it's the data card. You can literally buy a PA-18. I've seen them at the company I was affiliated with for banner towing. They had a title with a little tag number. They had like a dozen of them sitting in a drawer safe where technically, legally, that was an airplane. So like, if they wanted to build a brand new airplane... They would just go to that drawer, grab out the data tag, and buy every other part for the airplane brand spanking new, exactly the way they wanted it. The only thing that was original is the, that number plate. And legally speaking, that has, you know, 10, 20,000 hours on that plane. But with the Super Cub PA 18 in particular, it could be every single part on that other than the number tag could be brand new and legally it's got 25,000 hours on it. You know what I mean? 
I and I wholeheartedly agree with you, but the way I want it to look, legally speaking, I want the legally speaking number to be low too. I'm with uh, you. I don't care about that. If if it's a cool tail number, like if I if I found a P18 that was old enough where I could squeak by in gray area keeping the small numbers on the tail which i know if you redo the plane you're supposed to but if it's a however if it's like a 1960s or something when did it, when was the cutoff where it went to 12 inches on the tail number i'm not sure there is a cutoff i'm not sure oh, yeah I just, but anyway if i found a good tail number i would almost buy now a data tag just not that i'm in a position to like build one out right now but I could buy like a data tag with uh, like a title and a data tag. How like, did you buy the the tag? They go for like ten grand. You can find them. Like just just for that data tag and the and the uh, the title for like a P eighteen. No airplane. Just literally a metal plate that's oh, got a I bunch just... of numbers on it and a title goes for about ten grand. I understand, I, but yeah, I would want to see the ten grand. I would want to see where all this is coming from. That's what because you you're getting you are getting the maintenance records and everything associated with that data tag. Yeah, that is yeah, the airplane. You, I don't yeah, want you, that. The ma- yeah, you get the what the maintenance records. Who cares what the maintenance records? I are? care because you're gonna, that's the airplane. You're going on aircraft spruce when you got the cashola to like build one out, and you're buying brand new every spanking thing on it. I don't care what the what happened before it. You look uh, on some of the data tags on some of these planes that like, especially in like the banner towing world. Like you look at a P eighteen thing; it's a data thing. It's a brand new airplane. Everything on there's less than other than that data card, the data tag with the numbers on it. Everything on that plane could be like, like zero hours on it and there's like you look up the tail number or that tag it's just like cr- the airplane's been totaled three times like two people died in the plane like everything but it's it's just the, the card it's a brand new it's a brand new plane I'm with it's you. one of the it's one of the few planes where you can just every single component of the plane has a part number other than that like VIN tag thing so what if we go the other way with this? What if I have a 20,000 hour airframe and everything on it is literally 20,000 hours, but I go buy a tag that's got 3,500 hours and put it on there? On the same P-18 Super Cup? Yeah, it's the same. I said, uh, I wrecked this one, but I have this data tag here. I am trying to make the paperwork match up with what I want the airplane to be. You're saying I don't care about the paperwork because I know the airplane is brand new. The is thing the, that I'm it, flying is brand new. Yeah. The paperwork doesn't say that, but it is. I'm In saying the, I want the paperwork to be just as appealing as the actual aircraft. I don't using know the you, concept you're talking about. I don't know if you can do that in the P eighteen world, not have an old piece of junk, just because it's like. If what but, you're saying was so well received, why is there such a huge disparity between different super cubs? I'm with you. I agree with you. I, I mean, I've always fantasized about doing that. 
finding a great barn find that's just beyond take the buy it for whatever call 10 grand and keep the awesome data tags it's got great great history one owner all that everything you want low time thousand hours on it but just rot it out in a barn but dad tag still perfect i'm gonna buy it for that data tag build a brand new one from somewhere else and i'll I, fly off into the sunset i look at it as i can build a super cub exactly the way i want it and still have it certified under part 23 if i buy that data data tag yeah that's, but that's why, what i'm looking at why do i want all those logbooks and stuff why do i want all that baggage to go with my perfect airplane I throw the freaking logbooks in the trash. I'd nope, read it for interesting. You're missing logbooks because you have the registration date from 1970 I, something. Doesn't matter. You take photos of the build. You take photos of the build that you built it in 20. Let's say 2020. You take Push. a bunch of photos of the build. How have the receipts from every freaking part number that's on that airplane from 2020. And then if you ever go to sell that five years from now, you basically you have that. That's if I was buying a Super Cub and I understand how that works, I, that that would I would look at that as a 2020 plane, even though it's registered in the 70s and it's had three totals on its on its on the actual VIN. I understand that every single part on the plane has been replaced in 2020. It's brand new, so I'm buying a 2020 airplane. Like I feel like most people buying a Super Cub, if they don't know that already you can show them, hey, this is how it works, and be like, oh, sweet, okay. Yeah, it's a 1972, but it's it's a 2020 in, for all sense of purposes as far as like negotiating for the plane. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't go down that road. I wouldn't buy that 2020. I wouldn't do any of that. That instantly turns me off. I that's that's where I'm thinking your take. I, I'm with you on a lot of stuff where Scott maybe uh, disagrees with us, but uh, Scott, what's your take on that? I wouldn't care. It's whatever. I don't care either. Yeah. Would you if you would you consider like if you were buying a a plane that you like? It says no. 1971. Yeah. But somebody I, had a build. Build sheet out that oh. said everything was built brand new in 2015. No, that's you look at that in 1970. Yeah, that's a 2015 yeah, to me. Yeah, the vast majority. I'm of the buyers. same way with with even with airplanes that I see that like oh they got 3,500 hours on them. So you know it's a lot of hours on the airframe. I mean not a ton, but it's it's getting up there. But the engine has 500 hours on it. To me, that's a 500 hour airplane. I don't really care. No, what the, I don't. I don't go that far. I, I don't I'm care what the airframe I, has on it. I care a little bit. A little put, bit. I put, a little bit. But I put but 90, weight in. Ninety percent of my concern is what's on the engine. Ninety percent. I would say like 70, 60, 70 I'd put no. I'd put it on the engine. I'd put it at ninety. But in the in the case what's, of the PA, twenty-eight have every on every component. It? Uh, who knows by now? Probably 15, 40, 16, 40, Yeah, probably 15. Oh, no, hours. I had 13 when I was when I was leaving. So it's probably got. I mean, is there anything wrong with that airframe? Not at all. It's fine. You're not going to have any problem. I've, you're not going to have a problem with that. Here. I missed this. 
second. Now we're on a 28. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, I get all that. I get all of that. But, like, are you concerned about when you, when, if you were to fly 28 tomorrow, would you be concerned about the airframe? Would you be concerned about the engine? I would be concerned. Times on the engine, not about the airframe. There's a difference between hopping in an airplane and flying it versus owning the aircraft. Well, no, I'm just saying, well, yeah, but. Both points are true. Hold on, Scott. I would be, I agree with Rob. I would be 70%. The engine, yes, is a huge concern. The likelihood of me doing something to make a wing fall off is very low. The engine could just seize up just because. So, uh, yeah, I put, I would say, I would not say 90%, but I would be 60, 60, 70% worried about the engine. Not 90, 60, 70. But uh, right now, I don't know how I'd feel about going to fly a super high time airplane like that. But remember, we are also. We know the situation surrounding the airplane. We know the history of the airplane. We know who's been maintaining it. We know all those things. It is a known quantity. And although there may be some negative things about knowing that history, that is still, it's still known history to us. So there is a little bit of light kind of cast on our perception of how that, how sound that airframe is. You go buy in a, uh, let's, uh, Joe Schmo rebuild a Super Cub. And he crashes Super Cub in Arkansas and lost the logbooks, took the data tag off it before it burned up and ordered, opened a parts catalog, ordered all new. That I have to assume that the people that he hired, maybe he's an IA, maybe he's one of those unicorn IA pilots, can't fly one because he just crashed it, but he can rebuild them good. So he's going to rebuild me in 2020, market it that way, and I'm supposed to pay him $150,000 for a Super Cub. That is, I, he can show me the list of parts that he did. He can show me a great fabric job. I can't, I can't verify any of his rib stitching, really. I can't verify this weld, that weld, that bolt's tightened, that safety wired. I can't verify every single thing. You can have a pre-thing inspection to check all that, though. You can't inspect the whole airplane. Yeah, you have a pre-purchase inspection, but you're not, you, there's not that. Yes, there's a lot that you would, you could find. Yes. The hotspot items where the corrosion and rust would be, you know, on the lower laundrons. Yeah. Would you find that? Hell yeah, you would. It's brand new. There's nothing he could really do that would make that bad if he bought it brand new. I. A 50-year-old original manufactured airplane to me is the same concern as whoever did it, the build recently, who wasn't technically the manufacturer. Like the Super Cubs I don't want are to be so 50 old now. Old. Well, you look at 70s now, we're in 2020. Yeah. No, and I'm not, I'm not saying that... So, okay, so you're saying... I'm saying that original, like, if it was, if Cessna, if Cessna, if Piper was making brand new Super Cubs and I, that I could buy PA-18s from that factory versus some dude that's built one in 2015, five years ago as of this recording, 
I would trust the manufacturer's build way more, obviously. Yeah. But now that that's fit, now that we can, in, depending on the age, you're looking 50 ish years out since the manufacturer built that thing and what's happening longer than we've been alive versus I, I put similar weight on that now that it's had that many decades to deteriorate, stuff to happen, who knows what. I put similar weight into that than who built it five years ago. You know what I mean? I hadn't thought about it in that type of, you know, I hadn't thought about it like that. And I don't know the, in my, in my own internal struggle, I don't know which way I look at that. It's a known quantity. And I know there are examples of that. The airplane that rolled off the center line after it and before it that are probably still fine. So I'm assuming this one probably will be too. Uh, I mean, I've been flying a 70 year old airplane. Zero issues there. Yeah, I did a 76. Most of my time is in that. No, 70 years old. For what? 45. More than that. Oh. 75 years old. What plane? The Cub. Oh, okay. Yeah. I got, I don't have any issues. It's steel. I mean, it's like, it's steel. It's not aluminum. You know, I don't, I don't, I, I don't have the, and I mean, I guess the aerodynamic stuff is still aluminum, but I'm, I'm with you. I would have to think about it case by case basis. If it's a reputable rebuild, it'd be one thing, but I don't, I don't think you can fairly say, oh, it's a 2020. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying, but it's what the data tag says it is. Um, and I, I don't know. It'd be case by case basis for me. On, and on, in, that, in that situation, and I also, in factoring in that situation, when I buy the data card, I'm not looking at the resale value of the plane. I'm looking at getting that, building a dream super cub, and then keeping that super cub. If I'm not running it actively, it's sitting in the corner of my hangar because I got other stuff to run. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not really planning on selling that ever. Like, I'm keeping it until I die, and then I don't care what happens after I die. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, I, yeah. I, I would find comfort in knowing every single component on that aircraft is I purchased the exact component that I wanted and I had it assembled exactly how I wanted. And that is my perfectly built tailored Super Cub PA-18 to what I personally want. And then I'm not worried about the resale value. I know personally that that everything on that plane is exactly, precisely how I want it. So you're saying you're in favor of. So you wouldn't going down the Super Cub road. You're just saying that you wouldn't even buy a flying airplane. You just want to do data tag, build the airplane. I would prefer to just buy a data tag with a title for like 10 grand and then with a good tail number that I, that I would enjoy having on the back of my plane and then building it out from there. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I would be interested in. Uh, that, that's my personal, I know you're, you, we both have super cub dreams and that differ, uh, but me personally, that's how I would want to do it. I, I plan on doing that setup someday. I got no problem with the rebuild by a reputable company, but I just don't want to do it. I'd rather do the flying. 
I'd rather fly the airplane starting day one and then maybe in five years, 10 years, grow with the airplane a little bit, five, 10 years, have a rebuild done or something like that or change components out slowly. I don't know, one new wing here, one new wing there, recover this wing, recover that way, you know, change out the tail feathers, do that stuff. You know, the fuselage obviously would be a big, a big job, but I, I don't know that I would just rather buy something I can fly the data tag. I can't do anything with, but it's only 10 grand. So what difference does it make? But yeah, that, no, that's just, that's how I, that's how I look at it. Well, I'd want to piece it together. I'd take my time with it, store it in the family's man cave up in Ohio, I gotta go not, to pay, bed. not pay Mr. <laughs> Boris's exorbitant hanger rates. He'd charge me if I kept it there. We'll just get done. your IA and tell yeah. him to buy it, right. and then he'll let you fly <laughs> yeah. for free. Exactly, exactly. There you go. I'm I'm beat. All right. Okay. Well, Scott's falling asleep because it is ten to midnight when recording time, and um, this episode's different, obviously, than the other ones we did. We kind of just went on a riff because we couldn't decide what topic to do, and so we did this one instead. Um, we recorded this right after episode thirty-five. So I'm going to do the same spiel. We're looking at getting Apple uh, podcast app, five-star written reviews that we can read. Uh, none of If some comes in after the first time we said this, we're recording this right after the last one, so we apologize that we're not reading it yet. Uh, but that's just how this format works. Um, but on another note, the um, did you like this episode? Send us an email. Uh, we do... We are interested in, you know, we just kind of went on a riff on this one. We had no idea where this was going to go. We know we wanted to talk about this. We were talking about this in between recordings, so we decided to make an episode about it instead of talking about some other topic because that's what we were talking about before we hit the record button. So I'm like, let's just do this on the episode because we're talking about this in real life. Uh, Is that a fair assessment of what went on, Lee? Yeah. Yeah. So um, it didn't quite go how I thought it would go. But if you have questions and A, some feedback on whether you like this episode, send us an email. If you have questions that we didn't hit as far as maybe if you're thinking about getting into flying, maybe if you're thinking about possibly getting an aircraft and you want to know stuff, email us. Like We'll reply to the emails, obviously, and we'll probably either bring it up on another episode topic at some point or make an episode about it depending on if it stirs our conversation, you know what I mean? So send us that email, send us that feedback. Um, Cause I, I believe the best way to learn how to fly is in your own aircraft. If you can swing it. I agree. Um, yeah. Cause it's, I mean, that's personal bias. I agree. Scott's, Scott's passed out. I don't no. know what's going on. I agree. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, avoid rentals if you can. I'm not. I'm not knocking it. Most people learn how to fly in rentals now. Today they have their place. Like it, yeah, that's just. It's just the fact of life. But I think there's a lot of situations where people rent airplanes to learn how to fly, where they could have gotten their own airplane. They just maybe didn't know how, or never thought of, thought about it, never thought through. So we want to try to bridge that gap a little bit. Um. Anyway, as I mentioned earlier, email us stuff about this episode uh questions 
about anything, particularly now about this episode and uh, aircraft buying to learn how to fly, my email is F-A-R-A-I-M at robertberger.com, B-E-R-G-E-R, the German way, not the sandwich way. And Mr. Griffin is F-A-R-A-I-M at leegriffing.com, G-R-I-F-F-I-N-G. And Mr. Boris, who I may be asleep, I don't know. Uh, he is F-A-R-A-I-M at scottboris.com, B-O-R-E-S. And um, normally we talk a bunch of smack on Scott, but this is actually a topic where like buying airplanes and stuff, he'd probably be a decent email to uh, to ask questions to. So I know everything. We will we will we will spare him the uh, the normal shellacking we give to emailing him because uh, this is a. Uh, I would argue he knows more than Lee and I. Uh, yeah. in, in some respects, on Definitely. buying aircraft, he certainly bought way more aircraft uh, than he and I have combined. So, um, no, definitely, like, definitely, even, yeah. Um, so, yeah, those are emails. We again, if you're listening to Apple, we do would appreciate a five star written review. We appreciate a five star review, but if you write something in there, like a comment on it, that allows us to read it. If it's just an extra five star review, we appreciate it, but we can't really bring it on the episode like we like. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks, guys. See ya. I know, like, Bob's going to say, oh, it's not realistic, so you shouldn't say this. But honestly, like, find somebody that has an AMP or an INA that knows how to work on your airplane. If you're going to buy an airplane and work out a deal with them, be like, you can fly this whenever you want. You keep it airworthy. As long as I don't have to do anything. Most IAs are not even pilots, though. I don't know if I'd say most. I'd say it's probably 50-50. Uh, most. Do you I think most? most? Really? Over 50% is oh. most, and there's guarantee you... Most IAs that, most IAs that I know personally are, are pilots. Yeah, you North, are in a... I only Northern know Ohio. one. There's only one IA that I know that's not a pilot. Yeah, it's Northern Ohio. It's where half the pilots get maintenance stuff and IAs so they can do it themselves, and then the IAs, it's just... It's different culture up there. Like down in Florida, very rarely is an mechanic or the aviation maintenance technician people actually flying as pilots as well. It's not common down here from what I've seen. So like, I mean, we're all from the same area and I'm trying to think of IAs that I know that are pilots. Now, some obscure people, you know, are IAs that I don't know. They're, I know them as pilots. I don't know that they, they have their IA. You know, so so there's there's things like that. There's some there's some Venn diagram issues. There's people I know that are pilots. There are people that know that are IAs. I don't know if how many of them, what percentage of them are both, you know, in the center where they're both IAs and AMPs or IAs and pilots. But you are totally in a 
you're in you're an outlier in in the spectrum here, Scott. There's no diversion plan other than to keep this at like an hour to an hour. Yeah. Yes. An hour is I can good. keep it at twenty five seconds. Wait for it. <laughs> Wait for it. Don't buy one. <laughs> right. Done. Yeah. 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 All go. right. Three, two, one.